Oh, you're making me tear. <laughs> when, why does this get so heavy suddenly? Ah, <laughs> oh, help. <laughs> Let me blow my nose. ASMR to nose blowing begins in 3, <laughs> 2, 1. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Handful of Leaves podcast. I'm your co-host Cheryl. And I'm Kaisen bringing you practical Buddhist wisdom for a happier life. Before we start this episode proper, if you are new to Handful of Leaves, we are a boutique Buddhist publication featuring stories by Asian writers on topics such as relationships, mental well-being, work, finance, productivity, and the list goes on. Through sharing these stories, we hope that individuals like yourself would be able to navigate the complexities of life just a little better and to lead a happier and more fulfilling life. In this episode, we're going to share why we started this podcast. You're going to know Cheryl and I as individuals through our backstories. Also, towards the end, we're going to get into some pretty deep conversations and answering very tough questions. And that's the part where Cheryl made me cry. Well, we hope that you'll take away something useful. Don't forget to follow and subscribe. Now, let's begin. So Kaisin, tell me what made you want to start a podcast? Because Handful of Leaves is already uh, a blog. Like why going into a different, what's the word? A different, um, yeah, a different format. You know, why, why start audio? Why not just, you know, blogs and the short videos that is already there? So I'm not sure about you, but I feel like people enter deeper conversations in a mm. podcast format. And it's not like I skim through something two minutes, right? Or like can go on TikTok or Instagram. Then it's like, what, what is the value? Not, not to say mm. that articles don't add value. I think our writers are doing a good job. But I, I want to learn more, you know? When they yeah. write stories, it's like, hmm, how do they derive this particular thought or idea? And that's what yeah. I think this podcast acts as a platform for us mm. to discover that more and to go beyond uh, yeah because it's candid right and it also really brings a human um out um rather than just you know behind a picture or behind a couple of words are there topics that you're excited to learn about in this podcast i'm just particularly uh interested in like just exploring the unknown because you don't know what you don't know and i feel like of course there are topics that i'm interested in, like relationships love career um, but sometimes through these conversations, you really dig up perspectives that you didn't even think about before. Uh, and you question like assumptions that you really have your blind spots. And I think, you know, that is something that I really look forward to that only conversations can kind of dig out. Yeah. Were there assumptions that you have, but you invalidated them after listening to a conversation or a podcast? I think this is um, a conversation, so not a podcast. I was talking to to someone who went through a bad uh, breakup um, and they were in the relationship for five years. And before like talking to the person, I had a very fixed idea on how a person should deal with grief, right? Like they should kind of, I have this picture of them like just hiding in their room, crying forever and then, and then you know, just disappearing. But once I spoke to them, I realized that some people's uh, way of coping with grief is actually true um, getting into another relationship like, almost immediately. So I think from that conversation, I learned to not judge people so much because I understand that everyone is really in a way just having suffering and wanting less of that suffering. Um, the way that I am accustomed to seeing or the way I feel that 
it's the right way to uh, to deal with it may not apply to everybody and to be open-minded of the, of the different ways um, people could yeah, work with their grief. Yeah, and then I was also talking to another person who lost her daughter uh, in a car accident. And then it was just very interesting to see how an accident like that actually caused her to, to become a very cold mom. And, you know, from the outside, right, usually you would see, oh, a cold mom means the person is, is, is not good. You will immediately jump into judgments, right? Uh, not a responsible mother. How can she be like that? But when I spoke to her, then I realized that it was really because of uh, her need and wanting to protect her children from her pain. She didn't want her pain to seep out to them and, and affect, affect the way um, they interacted with the world. I think like from these two stories I'm sharing, it's really about allowing yourself to see the human um, before letting your judgment get the better. Yeah, I think there are a lot of layers to a person that would mm-hmm. determine like how they act, how they behave, right? And I, I mean, I totally resonate when you said uh, like judging. I find myself guilty of that. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> and yeah. one thing I hope this podcast can do is also for me to yeah, peel, peel the layers of the onion to say that there's actually many different perspectives to look at one same topic. It's not to say that who's right or who's wrong or like who's better or who's not so good. But it's just to have that nuanced perspective and increase the level of empathy. Life is not so black and white, right? And whatever stories and decisions that we make or live by, then hopefully, you know, through interviewing with different people and having the chit-chat sessions, we will make more informed decisions. And um, yeah, live happier lives, I suppose. I'm so curious, right? Because a handful of leaves, like the vision there is to, to have like practical wisdom for a happier life, right? Uh, I'm curious, like what's the most important, like, I don't know, piece of advice or most important thing that um, you felt have really changed your life and, and uh, towards a, a more like a happier trajectory? <laughs> well, I don't think I can pin it down to one specific Cannot, advice. it must be one. <laughs> Okay, I, I wouldn't say the advice made me happier, but it did inform my decisions in life that contributed to my overall well-being. I've shared this story with you and with many others before, which is my trip to UK. Okay, so like a little bit of background for listeners, right? Is uh, I started a business when I was 19 and I hustled a lot, a lot of uh, burnout, sleepless night. So I was two years in like, okay, I need a break. And I wanna yeah go I mean some people call it like soul searching or whatsoever mm. find yourself but I, I yeah. really so, something in me was pulling me a lot so I, I went all the way to UK to Amaravati it's this Buddhist forest monastery and I stayed more than a month there and I've met different people from different parts of the world and it's mm. very interesting to me like why they're there because everyone is searching for something Right, And there was this lady whom I spoke to when we were like doing the dishes in the morning. And I, I realized that she, she stayed there for really long. I think she was there more than two months. And I was very mm-hmm. curious as to, number one, like, doesn't she need to work? <laughs> number two, like, why is she there for so long? Like, what does she want to get out of it? It's like, maybe like myself, right? People are asking me the same question. And something hit me when she said, she used to work at a hospice and... I thought that was something that was very meaningful. So I asked her, like, why did she stop? And she said that over the years working there, she realized there was a pattern 
you know, people coming and going and of course people, you know, passing away, the there are a lot of regrets. And the regrets are not around like, oh, how much time I can clock in in the office or how much extra work that I've done. But it's a lot about family as well as, you know, doing what they their hearts desire. And mm. it helped her to reprioritize what she wants in life. And then this whole existential thing, right? Like what is life all about? Which brought mm. her to the monastery. And then she realized there's something beyond. Even like she's doing such meaningful work, she realized there's something beyond, which is to like, you know, free our, our hearts from all this dissatisfaction. And she wanted to gain more wisdom. Why it left such a deep impression all the way to now, I think it's been like, I think almost seven years is because yeah after I came back then I start to wonder hey, you know I'm so busy for what uh, mm. like I yeah I'm doing like a lot of things right not just business side but also volunteer work but I realized I was neglecting a lot of important parts of my life like family so how it helped me be a happier person was that every every single time when I were to embark on certain projects or work mm. on certain things I would ask myself what is this for what's the purpose? So then I became very purpose-driven and mm. that became my North Star. And whatever I do, if even if I'm busy, I would know that this is something that I, I, I want. So if mm. I were to say live a short life, then I hopefully will have less re- regrets and uh, like, you know, time box and cut out time for my family uh, on weekends when they are working, like Sunday is the only time, you know, th- things like that. Uh, so it helped me prioritize a lot in life. And generally, I think, <laughs> live quite a happy life it's important for me to clarify okay so like busy has a negative connotation where people would say that if you're busy you're kind of doing the things that you don't like to do or you would rather not do but for me I would differentiate it from being occupied so from an external point of view I might be doing like 10,000 things and people might say Kaising is very busy but I feel like I'm occupied and that's because I am doing the things that I like to do, like recording and starting this podcast. So yeah, it's important to differentiate that. But having, having said that, I do have my busy period where I just like, oh, I, I wish I would have less on my plate. So it, it's about finding that balance. Yeah, it makes sense. And I guess um, my question to you then is like, how do you find that balance? Yeah, we are definitely going to cover more of that in the next episode how to balance contentment and ambition. So I would save that for the episodes. Stay tuned. <laughs> like I think why being a part of handful of leaves is important to me personally is because I think also like there are a lot of um, Buddhist resources, um, but there's not a lot of Buddhist and you know youth focused and Asian resources available. And I think like I still remember, I don't know if it's something that you can relate to, but like when I was like a teenager and then I was like having little crushes on people and then I would be reading like tiny Buddha like oh um you know signs that a crush likes you back or like you know <laughs> things Not like judging. that to get <laughs> so to get you know advice and and really just how to navigate through that all these kind of um things right um but and of course it's helpful and and a lot of the human condition is very universal in a sense that uh, sometimes we struggle through like depressive states or sometimes you know we just don't know how to deal with stress and anxiety but I think having content that um, can help to acknowledge um, 
the nuances in our Asian like upbringing, our culture, right? You know, like maybe being a little bit more um, not so expressive in in saying like you like somebody, for example, <laughs> just using that that same you know uh, relationship picture again, um, will really help like people with feeling seen, and I think that's very important because like if your your experiences are being acknowledged um, with you know with the nuance of like Asian and young and stuff like that, it really helps you to bring to life like like what it means to be a Buddhist like as a human person rather than like a um, Buddhism as a religion which can be very dry and very theoretical and I think sometimes I find it's very ironic because if you think about it like the, f- the first noble truth is about life is like unsatisfactory right there's a lot of suffering but a lot of times when we listen to Dhamma which is the, the Buddha's teachings it's always so theoretical ideal and and it's just so, I find it just so, so ironic when it doesn't bring the human peace um, together. So I think for me, like being vulnerable is very important. So I at least want to be a part um, of bringing the voice of telling stories of telling the truth, um, whether it's nice to hear or, or not nice to hear <laughs> and ensuring that um, these stories are told, even if it's difficult to tell. Yeah, I definitely resonate a lot with what you say. So three things, right? Uh, first, mm. definitely the, the nuance in the Asian context. Uh, in the Asian context, we are very conservative. So there are certain things, even relating to mental well-being. It is not until the recent years that I think our society starts to open up more on this topic. Mm. But previously, it was a taboo subject, right? Or like to talk about your relationship issues openly and then just, you know, the, the fear of being judged, etc. In those areas, we can help people to connect the dots better, to really navigate all the complexities in life and applying more of like the Buddhist wisdom and principles to yeah lead something that's more fulfilling. And also to recognize that it is not just say, oh, let go, you know, these two shall mm. pass. I think that that's where the second point comes in, right? Where sometimes mm. it can be a little bit idealistic to say, oh, if I'm spiritual or I'm religious, then I have to uphold certain moral conduct and there is no room for failure. It's mm. like if I do something bad accidentally or because it's still like, you know, work in progress, then there's a lot of guilt tripping. Uh, there's a lot of like feeling not good enough. And it's very tempting to just throw in the towel because everything or everyone else seems to be doing well. And it's like, am I really cut out for this? Maybe not so much. So I think a, a big part of why we started Handful of These is also to paint the holistic picture, right? To say that it's a journey to, to show the vulnerability of people when they are growing spiritually to say it's not just the destination, but there are so many bumps on the road. It will be bumpier at the start and the journey will be smoother towards the end. So we are hoping to kind of, you know, be with people along this journey. And then I I think the third thing, it's more about the application. If you read the the discourses and you really understand like how Buddha taught, he tailors his teaching to different people, right? Like to merchants, he would speak in a very different way. And he uses a lot of analogy and bring it very close to home things that can be applied. And I I think why it feels that sometimes the teaching can be very dry is because we might, or rather like the the teachings that we hear might be disconnected from our day-to-day struggles. So it's kind of like a very blanket approach to say that, oh yeah, just be kind. Oh yeah, uh, you know, don't think too much about it. And then 
there's a lot of spiritual bypassing and how can we apply it in a practical sense to say that if I'm dealing with uh, workplace politics or like if I'm dealing with uh, relationship issues, like now in the Asian context, right? Like with the, the COVID phenomena, it's living or like moving out of your parents' place. Like I mm. go through that journey and it was such a weird concept to think about because Asian parents are like, why do you want to leave the family when you're not even married? And you know, like, are you abandoning us? And there's a lot of like, for, for me, I feel like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the whole philopathy thing. So I, I think it's about meshing all, all this together, right? To say, mm-hmm. um, yeah, number one, how can we make it more nuanced in the Asian context? Then number two, how can we show the holistic picture to say that it's not all sunshine and rainbows and if that's perfectly fine? And then number three, bring it close to day-to-day and say, how can I take small steps to improve my life? I, maybe I can backtrack a little bit. I'm not so sure how you started Buddhism. I hear bits and pieces of story. But when I first came to the Dhamma and learned about Buddhism, it was... It was, such, it was such an eye-opening experience because I've always associated Buddhism to something that it's very ancient and very like ritualistic. Because also Not relatable. Like, Asian, yeah, it's also because it's an Asian upbringing, right? It's so unrelatable because you're not allowed to question. And mm. then I feel like the faith, it's so, it's so blind. When I first got to know the Buddha's teachings... I was like, wow, this is completely opposite from what my parents have taught me. Right. And it, even the whole concept of like going to the temple, it's not the Buddha's teachings, right? There's a lot mm. of like cultural Chinese culture rituals. involved. Yeah, yeah, a lot of rituals. And not to say that the rituals are not helpful, but I think a lot of us, like if you ask 10 Singaporeans, what do they know about rituals? I would say actually nine of them or like 9.5 of them would say, I don't know, just go pray go to the Kuaning Ma temple and <laughs> pray for good luck. I, I usually go there during exam period. And yeah, when, when I'm like going through certain, you know, life challenges. Difficulties, then, yeah. Yeah, can't, can't find answers within. Then you have to seek out, right, for like divine intervention. But then I realized actually a very big part of Buddhism, it's finding the answers within, which mm-hmm. is so ironic. I, I hope that, you know, through this podcast and also the, the content that we post on our website, like people would be able to find that clarity in in their their journey of growth right and it's content that I personally wish would be out there many years ago but I'm not and I think like the really the power in in Buddhism is really when you are able to apply it into into your life like there's no point saying oh I understand impermanence theoretically or I understand the concept of non-self um it really doesn't help you at all if you can't um, apply it to help you to be someone who's more compassionate, uh, less judgmental and less critical of yourself and, and others. Um, and I think maybe perhaps it's, it's the disconnect in the kind of like Buddhist teachings that I'm exposed to, right? Maybe it was just never linked to how we can apply it in our workplace, for example, or how we can be very skillful in applying it in our family uh, relationships. So I think it, hopefully, you know, this podcast can connect the dots for people um, and really enrich their lives um, in that sense as well. But I do feel that more importantly, is also planting the seeds um, to liberating oneself from like suffering completely. Um, you mentioned just now that you wanted to highlight that this is 
kind of a journey with ups and downs. And I think on top of that, it's not just ups and downs, but also kind of illustrate the different kind of journeys everybody could, could be on um, by sharing as many stories as possible. Someone could be, you know, maybe just completely new to Buddhism and finding it extremely um, challenging, but someone could be maybe a couple years into the path, feeling their their faith wavering a bit, or someone who's like at that crossroads of wanting to renounce, but then the family is pulling them back. So, you know, really, really just showing the different journeys a Buddhist could be on and the different flavors that could entail. Yeah. Everyone's life is different, right? The monastic life is not for everybody. And just like how the corporate life is not for everybody. So mm. yeah, ho- hopefully... That's a very you know, nice comparison. The, yeah, it, it, it's, so, it's so true. So it's like through the, like the journey as well as gaining all these different perspectives, hopefully one would be able to, again, make a more informed decision to what they feel most at peace with. Right? It's not so much about what other people want, but having the mm. clarity within on what's best based and on that's the readiness. The most yeah. yeah, that's the most important. Like based on the readiness, the capacity and everything. It, it's not to shoebox ourselves to one more to say all Buddhists should be like that. Maybe get to know both of us a little bit more. So how do we meet, I think? <laughs> I think your story and my story is very different. <laughs> we have different versions. Yeah, to, to be honest, I can't remember fully how we met. I vaguely recall it was through a camp and then you came all the way from Malaysia to Singapore just to attend the youth camp. And that was... <laughs> That's true. How many years ago? Five, six, seven oh, years I ago? I think more than... I think about seven years ago. Maybe around 20, 2014. Wow. We've known each other for eight years. Or some would say many <laughs> lifetimes. <laughs> and I always remember seeing you at the meditation session. So we have like this Tuesday sit at one of the Buddhist centers. And yeah, you're always there. And a fun fact is now we are housemates because we like, it was just like this random concept of, hey, it would be so nice to live with a Dhamma friend. And then we have another friend of ours who who is also renting and just floated the idea that it would be good to have a Dhamma house together. And yeah, we are housemates now. (laughs) I think how I really got to know you more and then we became like bet- like a lot better friends through working on a handful of these, right? So like getting feedback, relating to the website and relating to the content. And yeah, just naturally, I think there was a lot of like to and fro and... Completely inaccurate. Completely inaccurate. Okay, <laughs> what is your version of the story? <laughs> so yes, we first met at camp. Um, I need to tell this story where you you were really awkward. Like, I think I met you and for some weird reason, I decided to, to go up and, and tell you that I thought I admired, um, I admired that you meditated a lot. <laughs> and then you were, you were super uncomfortable. And then I was like, this Kaising hates me like forever. <laughs> and then I kind of just stayed away from her every other time I saw her. Um, wait, wait, then... I have to cut you there. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't it be awkward <laughs> if someone just randomly comes out to you and just like, oh, Cheryl, I really think that you're a very good meditator. <laughs> or like, you meditate a lot. Like, I mean, it's out of nowhere, you know? <laughs> it's like seeing a lizard, like, popping out of nowhere. I mean, I'll get shocked. Why, <laughs> Why you compare this to a lizard? That's terrible. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, you're much better than that. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, you can't blame me for being awkward. Okay, continue. <laughs> 
no, people would have graciously accepted the compliment. But anyway, so whatever, our, cross, our paths didn't cross. And then um, I moved to Singapore and then there was the regular meditation at BF where I occasionally saw Kai Sing. And then, yeah, we, we didn't really get close because it was just more like, hi, bye, and how was your meditation kind of short conversations. And then coincidentally, she asked me about the handful of this feedback. Uh, that is correct. That is so far true. And I think what bonded us was like the, I think that there's just that deeper curiosity to, I don't know, lie, <laughs> uh, approach of how to be better, how to be a nicer person, kinder person, and, and uh, discussions around that. Lah. And then, yeah, somehow we just became housemates well. <laughs> and podcast mates. <laughs> Now that you mentioned, I, I can recall because I had very deep conversations with you about friendship. Um, and then also because like I, I've moved out from my parents, right? I mean, back then we, we weren't housemates mm. yet. Uh, and there was a lot of transition. And yeah, I, I think through like a few conversations, you, you kind of ask, you ask very deep questions. And of course, I have to give very thoughtful replies, which can take days. Um, yeah, fun fact about me is I... <laughs> I take really long to reply people, especially if there are texts that makes me think. Like I, I don't want to just reply people while I'm like multitasking because I don't think it, it it's gonna be thoughtful. So yeah, because I mean it it takes so long. It's like snail mail, right? And then just a wall of text and a very deep conversations, which I really appreciate. But yeah. I guess you know I have one question is what is a question I should ask you, but I didn't don't know enough about you to ask. How would you respond to this yourself? Hey, you question? don't question me for question. <laughs> I think this question is for you to own. Um, you can, you can, I guess, rephrase it as you like, um, but essentially something that I don't know about you yet that you would like to share. I don't know. This, this is so hard to start because, yeah, I, I think you know a lot about me, but I'm not so sure like whether there are certain assumptions that you have made um, in the process that I might have a backstory to say actually that assumption is false. What are your current assumptions of me? Like how, how would you describe me as a person? Oh, sorry, uh, my internet went bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a very, I mean, it's a, it's a very tough question. Yeah, right? true. Like, not sure, but I think you could be someone that could be very hard on yourself and you would probably tend to extend more compassion to other people than to yourself. I, yeah, I am quite hard on myself. As to whether I'm compassionate to others, I think this is an assumption that I would have to like invalidate. I, funnily enough, I used to think that I'm quite a compassionate person. I mean, I, I wouldn't deny the fact that I, I do compassionate stuff, but I'm not as compassionate as what other people think I, am. I think it's funny that you say that, right? Because I think if we would, like, let's say we just ask any mutual friend, I think compassionate will be one of the terms that they would probably associate with you. Is, is it because of the things that I do or say? How did that assumption come about? But I think mostly from your actions, right? You help people proactively. I actually don't do that proactively. <laughs> which, which is something that I discovered. So, okay, I, I think COVID brought a lot of learnings. I have come to discover that I'm not such a compassionate person because um, during COVID period, I'm pretty much a hermit. And to, to some degree, it didn't really help with my whole mental well-being. And yeah, 
I was just alone and I don't proactively reach out to friends. And I guess friends just think that I'm fine because I'm usually the one reaching out to them. And I realized the reason that that was the case, it was because it's like you're inside. And if I see your suffering, I can't just unsee it. I would then reach out to you and help. But if you're out of sight, I wouldn't keep you in my mind all the time. Yeah. So I wouldn't say I'm compassionate enough or like in the way I want to be. And so I think some people would then see the first part, right? Yeah, Kaisin, you're being too hard on yourself. Like there's a pattern. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm compassionate, but not as much as what I think other people associate me to be. One thing I'm really guilty about, like, is when I got out of my hermit mode and like some of my friends actually reached out to me to uh, like ask for catch up. And then I, I realized that actually many of them are struggling. I mean, I was struggling as well. And then I felt like, wow, I could have reached out to these people. Like, why am I so selfish? Just thinking about myself. It, it's not like I was like deep in the pit, you know? Uh, there are days where I'm just savoring my alone time and I don't want to talk to anybody. And, it, and then it, it got a little bit unhealthy. But like, if you're oh. enjoying it, why is it unhealthy? There's a tipping point, right? At first, I enjoy it. But then I realized too much solitude is not conducive because I don't interact with people. I don't get triggered. And I can just be in my own world. I don't broaden my perspective, right? So it becomes unhealthy when I am just with my own thoughts. And then it becomes more unhealthy if my thoughts are not healthy, <laughs> then it becomes a very vicious cycle. Vicious cycle. But it could also be that expectation that Kai Sing needs to help as many people as possible. The expectation that you have of yourself, which nobody kind of imposes on you. I, I wouldn't say I have like very ambitious goals, like a lot of people to say, I want to help like a million people and, you know, like overcome poverty. Um, for me, I don't think I'm driven enough to say that, but within my capacity like I want to help it's very interesting I guess how I perceive you and how you perceive yourself uh, it's almost contradicting to a certain extent um, and yeah I think it just goes to show how much perception is so uh, subjective and to always you know be, be open to seeing people as they are rather than seeing people as a reflection of your own uh, own ideas yeah I, I think it's interesting that you, you think that I'm very compassionate I mean I like I would appreciate I mean I appreciate that and take that as a compliment but I also realize it can be quite unhealthy to some point because I'm not sure whether people hold on to certain expectations of me because I'm always the one reaching out to people hence I don't need to reach out to people you get what I mean Hence, people don't need to reach out to you, you mean? Yeah, like you're the person that is always caring and people forget to care for the carer. Yeah, and they kind of just assume that I'm fine when sometimes I'm not. <laughs> so all our listeners here, <laughs> if you know Kaisin personally, please reach out with a heart shape. She'll appreciate it very much. <laughs> yes, I mean, not that you can see me, but I'm, I'm giving a heart sign. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think it, it was uh, quite a tough learning for me. Uh, to come to realize that actually I, I don't need a lot of care because I mean I'm I used to be the person to say like oh you know self-love I 
I can be self-sustaining. I mean, to some degree, I still believe that, but I, I realize it's important to have the option to lean on others as well. And it's especially important when I personally don't have the strength to lean on myself, right? Uh, yeah, so uh, please break the stereotype that I'm I'm all sound. Because, you know, like someone ever, like one of the youth ever yeah. like came to me and it's like, Kaising, you're so perfect. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it really affected me in a negative way. I mean, not that the person has any bad intention. I think it just like stems from a place of admiration. But I felt so bad for myself because there are some friends who look at me like, I mean, back then I used to post a lot on social media. I would share my learnings and, you know, I was starting out and I was connecting with a lot of people. It's part of the process of growing uh, a startup. And people would say like, wow, Kaisen, you're doing so many things. Like, I'm so disappointed in my life. Mm. And I don't know, something in me just can't sit well with being the cause of somebody else's unhappiness. I know Mm. I'm not directly causing them because Mm. it's not like I have any ill intention, but just the thought of having that option where people look at me and then they feel sad about themselves. I'm just Mm. like, what the hell? Like, I, I I don't want that. Like, I would rather not be seen as successful if it makes you sad mm, you get what I mean and yeah. I, I, I think I start to downplay a lot of um, mm. yeah like my successes like I think also to some point sometimes it can be a, a little bit annoying for some people just like why can't you just accept that you're you have achieved certain things right why do you always have mm. to uh, have to say that oh actually still, still in the process of learning <laughs> or there's so much more and yeah. uh, I, I think one of the friend, friends also said that why can't you just accept praises, which is something that I find very hard to do, uh, that I'm, I'm still in the process of uh, trying to, to learn. And yeah. yeah, so when people have certain I, like stereotypes of me, it's almost like an ideal, mm. like idealism, right? And they project it on me. Mm. I feel scared. <laughs> mm. Because what if one day I, I do something that is out of line and uncompassionate what would they think of me? I have flaws, you know? Mm. Like if they see me as a perfect person, then I, I have no room to be imperfect. <laughs> it's a very yeah. scary thought. Yeah. And you're just human and definitely as a human, you are, you're vulnerable, you have flaws, you're not perfect, you're really just learning. Um, yeah. And when there's these kind of expectations um, put on you, it kind of restricts how you could be free as well as a person. Um. And I think like, you know, if you look at celebrities, like why all of them kind of have a sudden rebellious face is because of all the expectations of all their fans um, putting on them to be this ideal person. So they just kind of need to really break that mold by doing something completely extreme. But also, like you're not responsible for other people's insecurities. And I don't know, I, I, feel, I feel sorry that you have to feel that there's the need for yourself to, to, to minimize your kind of your glow um, just so that you don't shine so bright. Oh, you're making me tear. <laughs> <laughs> why, why does this get so heavy suddenly? Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, help. Sweat your heart. Let me grab a tissue. <laughs> this conversation has taken a turn. <laughs> We'll be right back. <laughs> Sorry, that's my expertise, making people cry. Sorry, continue. <laughs> no, I mean, there's no should or should nots, right? Because it's really your journey, but rather learning to own your space and I think just standing just standing proud, proud with that. Lah. And yeah, really, people's insecurities are not something that should affect you. Intellectually, I know that, but 
Okay, no buts. And I am trying to, to learn that. I mean, it, even starting this podcast is a little bit daunting. <laughs> Let me blow my nose. ASMR to nose blowing begins in three, <laughs> two, one. <laughs> I was saying even starting this podcast is daunting because I'm putting myself out there and I mean you are also putting yourself out there and I think we to some extent want people to learn through very personal experiences or like tough conversations like this right from our guests or like from both of us and it puts us at Okay, I, I can't say it for you, but I feel like I'm in a very vulnerable position. And it's very courageous of... of you also to do that. <laughs> Hesitating, trying to like process. Yeah, I think it's daunting because for, for many years, I have stopped putting myself out there. Um, and in moments when I, I do it, it's to like, I mean, it's nothing about me, right? It's like gaining support from maybe fundraising projects or um, perhaps it's work. I feel obligated too because... I mean, like, if our company achieves something or if me and my co-founder achieve something, um, yeah, like, I feel obligated to publicize it, to share that joy. And I- I'm struggling a lot because I feel like when I do that, I am then put on a higher pedestal mm-hmm. and it's very tough for me to come back. And I'm it, then I, I realize it, it's a learning journey to, to say, um, I can, I can use or leverage my glow, or if I were to have a glow, <laughs> I can leverage that to to help people. But then also not to be too hard on myself to say it's my responsibility to help people, or it's my responsibility when somebody else feels bad. Um, mm. and and I hope that I can show more sides of me that are vulnerable mm. so that it breaks this stereotype that everybody has on people like oh just because a, a person is out there it's life that I want to lead or like you you look at them from a, a place of admiration rather mm. than inspiration and it's very different because admiration is like wow you know I wish I could be like that versus inspiration is like I can do that let me try mm. Mm. So it gives that sense of empowerment back to the individual, um, rather than yeah, rather you know, than like, like self. Oh my god, yes, or like self criticism, right? Like I suck so bad, like I would never be like that person. I also want to just make a disclaimer. It's not like I am like super successful or anything like that, but it's just in a close circle of friends, they she seem is. to <laughs> seem to think so of me. I I can't just I I cannot fathom the amount of stress and things that more successful people go through or, or like I, I wouldn't say successful but people who are more out there who are more exposed yeah I, I can't imagine how it's like for them because I'm not even putting myself out there and I'm already feeling this stress what about them right so I just want to make sure that I, I navigate this in a healthy way and mm. um, yeah I mean a request also on air it's like yeah I, I hope that I can lean on you as a co-host to uh, to pull me when I'm like <laughs> straying off the path la, or uh, being too hard on myself or uh, getting a little bit fuzzy with yeah with the situation yeah and I think like my only hope for you is that like I don't know like wherever your journey takes you to 
greater heights and brighter stars and brighter glow is to remain like true to telling the telling the true story like being always being vulnerable and never ever feeling like you need to be perfect um and then like painting a fake image of like perfection or whatever you know being those like yeah. uptight snobbish which is why, um, like, shout out to Kema, one of our Dhamma friends. I mean, I was asking her for advice for this podcast and she said it shouldn't feel like a performance. And why it hits me so deeply is because exactly what you said just now. It shouldn't feel like it is decorated or I'm putting out a show just because I want to maintain a particular image. Uh, I mean, we still want to do quality shows, but in terms of like the content, um, yeah, you, you get what I mean. Yeah, I hope you get the answer from your question about what, what is something that you don't know about me that you want to know more about. Uh, can I throw the question back to you? <laughs> yeah, but I think, I think first, you know, really, really thanks for, thanks for answering it um, truthfully and not taking an easy answer. Like you went through the real answer. So thanks for that, um, for opening up very courageously. Yeah, and thanks for giving me space. Too. <laughs> I think I'll describe you as like a ball of sunshine. Your Xiaotian is very low. Like your laughing point is super low. And it, it feels like anything makes you happy. Uh, I think it's something that's very good to have. But I also know that, of course, there are really down times for you as well. And my impression is perhaps you might not necessarily be very ready to show that to people. You, I do feel like you're talented. But you also deny that, yeah, just from your rolling of eyes, and this is so uncomfortable but <laughs> I feel like sometimes you can downplay your personal strengths or like qualities right like you feel like you're very noir you're not a very determined person but I disagree I mean just look at your whole journey of becoming healthier in your like fitness journey I truly think that it's not something that everyone can do personally I, I've tried to keep fit I mean ever since I've graduated I haven't been very actively exercising um, but you you stay true to your words lah, and it's like you you set your goal on something you're determined and you go all out you know I, I'm not so sure whether you see that in yourself I, I have a lot of other assumptions but yes so these are Things. Few more, few more, come, few more. <laughs> Buying myself time. I feel like you care a lot for others and you want to hold a space for them. But sometimes it might also come at the expense of, you know, holding a space for yourself. And um, you might downplay some of your qualities, like your good qualities and strengths when you're seeing others, right? Just like, oh, how come they are able to structure their thoughts so well? Or why are they able to uh, answer questions on the fly? But I, I realize the context is very different because it's not that you can't do it. I mean, you do it really well, but it's just in a situation or it's a topic that you don't blossom in. When, when there's, a, there's a misfit misfit of role, then you would think that you're not good at it. But it's not that you're not good at it. It's just you're in the wrong place. <laughs> but you have all these good qualities that would make you thrive if you're in the right place. I don't think these are necessarily assumptions. I think these are more observations, um, which I think you're quite 
accurate in in pointing out. Um, I think I'm like by no means like super successful or anything, but I think I do share similarities with you in the sense of like the need of needing to downplay a little bit. So just a bit of context. It's like uh, I come from a family where like my sister is not the smartest in terms of uh, like grades and then we used to get compared a lot and I usually did okay in my exams and then like a lot of things as well like maybe when I was younger I eat food faster my sister didn't eat food fast and she would get like cane for that so I think inadvertently I was like okay I need to make myself smaller also um, in, in that childhood context so that she doesn't get uh, scolded or you know, get like uh, reviewed negatively. And I think that also comes up like in my life now. I feel like I really need to kind of attune because I also do not want people to think a certain way of me. And I also do have maybe stronger negative self-talk um, of like maybe some insecurities so then I guess that fear of being perceived a certain way plus my own negative self-talk uh, makes me just very fearful of doing things on my own so for example like this podcast also like <laughs> like I hesitated doing it on my own and then when you asked me I was also like hesitating so much because I think the question of like who want to listen would I be able to produce good enough content would I be engaging enough um, was like often in my mind lah. and even like, you know, up to today to before we were recording, I'm just like stressing over it. So I think I'm still working on myself, like trying to, I guess, just find what space I should be in to thrive. Um, but at the same time, also being patient with myself um, to really take things one step at a time because it's impossible to want to conquer everything at once and yeah it's just I think I guess balancing low that that long-term incremental growth still being courageous enough to put myself out there and trying different things and being more open to failures rejections and see where that eventually leads me to long I hear that whatever you're doing stems from a place of care like I mean it's quite similar right like you don't want to shine so much because you're afraid that that might cause other people to yeah like have a certain negative repercussions or that there's some form of comparison involved and you don't want that uh then at the same time that's also you comparing yourself with your own standards I'm just curious like why don't you want to do things for your own sake or just now you mentioned something like, I mean, I want to start a podcast on my own. I don't want that. Like, why, why is that the case? Yeah, I don't know why I always have that feeling of like incompetence. Like I won't know how to do it. Uh, yeah. And, and I think that has stopped me from a lot of things. Um, from a lot of side hustles, so maybe important decision, uh, like career decisions. And even I think even like relationship boundaries, that incompetency of like, yeah, I'm not good enough. Um, so I'd rather not pursue it because if I'm involved, I destroy things. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 
a always a result of comparison. No? It's always it's never a I feel incompetent. It's always a, it's always a, I feel incompetent as compared to X, Y, Z. Ideals, expectations, people. Um, Would it help if you were to compare yourself with someone worse? <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I mean, going back to admiration versus inspiration, right? Like, would it help to reframe how you compare? Because comparison is healthy. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a benchmark and we don't have like something better to work towards, right? Mm. And it's how we use that comparison to inch forward rather than slide backwards. Mm. I think a healthier comparison would be looking at things in a more balanced way, which is not just comparing using my weak spots, but also comparing with my strengths, if it makes sense. So I get a balance, a more ma- a balanced self-esteem rather than one that's leaning towards more negative. Yeah. yeah. And then, then you'll realize actually there are a lot of positive traits that you can compare, <laughs> compare with. Yeah, but yeah, I think you're very... Thank you for thank you for opening the space as well. And I think I think you're very astute in your observations. I think it's it's more observations than assumptions because I think they're fairly accurate. <laughs> what is season one all about? <laughs> the general theme of it is of course covering a lot of different um, areas in life, uh, finance, relationship, career. Um, things that are you know generally important for us to function as a person in society, but more importantly, um, really exploring how we can do that with ease and um, balancing out the demands and the rigor of it to to be able to I guess achieve achieve success in any of these areas, but doing it in a balanced and happy way. Because after all, we are seeking for practical Buddhist wisdom for a happier life. Yeah, must be practical. <laughs> that leads to happiness. In terms of the format-wise, it would be like an alternate between interview style with experts in the field and also chit-chat sessions like, like what we are doing right now to share more perspective on a single topic. And if any of the listeners, you have questions that you want us to talk about or discuss, you can subscribe to our Telegram channel and put your comments there, any thoughts and key takeaways. Of course, it would be really helpful if you click the subscribe button on Spotify as well as YouTube. And we have a lineup of speakers, uh, Tan Chek Ming, the author of Search Inside Yourself, the, the book, as well as the book Joy On Demand. We also have a very popular teacher, Buddhist teacher Sister Sylvia Bay and we have Sister Amy on board as well and many more speakers if you would like to hear from other speakers or interesting people you want us to chat with also let us know in Telegram Cheryl and I we wish all of you listening stay happy healthy and if you are not happy that's fine it's all part of a process and we are excited to be on this journey with you see you in the next episode thank you bye bye